0: Happy Sabbath everyone. It's good to see you on this uh, day after Independence Day. And uh, as you probably might um, expect, I might have something to say about Independence Day. Uh, You know, it's uh, amazing that uh, sometimes we are prone to forget our history. That can be a very dangerous thing. Do you know why? Because we're liable to repeat it, if we don't know it. And that's why history is very important. And so, it was nice to have uh, a day off. It was nice to have a special day of celebration. And um, you know, the whole problem with America and independence was the British, right? And that pesky king, George III, George William Frederick III, George III. Um, it's interesting that um, John Adams had some things to say about independence from the British. And I'd just like to share with you a little bit here. It says, while danger was gathering round New York and its inhabitants were in mute suspense and fearful anticipations. The General Congress at Philadelphia was discussing with closed doors what John Adams pronounced the greatest question ever debated in America and as great as ever was or will be debated among men. The result was a resolution passed unanimously on the 2nd of July and these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states." Quote the 2nd of July adds the same Patriot statesman, will be the most memorable epoch in the history of America. I am apt to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival. It ought to be commemorated as the day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to Almighty God. It ought to be solemnized with pomp, parade, with shows, games, sports, guns, bells, bonfires, fireworks, illuminations from one end of this continent to the other, from this time forevermore. The glorious event has indeed given rise to the annual an annual jubilee but not on the day designated by Adams the fourth of July is the day of national rejoicing for on that day the declaration of independence that solemn and sublime document was adopted and I have a copy here I picked it up from the US National archives and records administration now it would be interesting if I were to ask how many of you have the Declaration of Independence memorized? Now I won't ask you because why should I ask you something that I haven't done? Okay, but I know that we know that first sentence don't we? We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal and that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Carries on, that to secure these rights governments are instituted among men deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. In other words, its government for the people, by the people. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. I could, I could go on. But do you know why the Declaration of Independence was necessary? To correct faulty thinking because the British thought that they could have control over everything that was going on over here in the United States and so 17, I'm sorry, 13 states declared their independence July 4th, 1776 but the reason for that declaration of independence was in fact an assertive demonstration of anger It was a correction of faulty thinking. Let me suggest to you that every conflict on this planet is derived and has its root in faulty thinking. Now for us to say that, we must understand what true thinking is and correct thinking is. Do you know the Bible text in in, uh, Isaiah 55? What does it say about our thoughts and our thinking? It says, our thoughts, God speaks and says that your thoughts are not my thoughts and your ways are not my ways and as high as my thoughts are above your thoughts and my ways says God above your ways they are as high as the heaven above the earth and so friends we need to have our thinking elevated what do we need? Our thinking to be elevated and I can tell by the response that that is what we need just this morning. Friends, the Declaration of Independence and faulty thinking have a lot to do with forgiveness. And uh, don't you love my new pulpit? Wow, it's got so much room. I can uh, set up my my drink dispenser here too. You know, forgiveness I think is one of the most powerful forgotten Christian virtues. We carry on. You see, forgiveness defies human thinking. Forgiveness is a divine attribute. And it is, in fact, what brings us salvation. Amen? It is basic to Christianity. And so I have felt impressed, looking around me and inside of me, to preach this series on forgiveness, which has to do with the correcting of our faulty thinking. And so last Sabbath, um, by way of um, summary, in fact, let me pray before I bring in the, the summary. But um, I thought you'd be encouraged by that um, declaration, the reading of the declaration of the unanimous declaration of the 13 states of America of independence. And uh, it was a very powerful example of assertive aggression because, or, or, or anger. There there are faulty ways um, to to be angry, and this is an assertive way that laid things out, that gave the boundaries, and said that uh, we, in fact, have freedom that is based upon correct thinking, that is based then upon the Word of God and His forgiveness of all mankind. So that's a a really wonderful uh, document. And this country, we mustn't forget, was built upon Christian principles, that are brought into the um, Declaration of Independence and indeed um, the Constitution. So let us bow our heads as we go into our time together this morning. Father in heaven, as we talk about this vital and fundamental topic, I pray, Lord, that you may speak through me, that you may hide me behind the cross of Jesus, that his merits, his sacrifice may be effective for me and for each one of us here. Dear Lord, raise our thinking above the, the mire, the quagmire, and the mud of our human reasoning that is so tainted by our sinfulness. Lord, lift us up. Lift us up to have the attributes of our Heavenly Father that would even forgive His enemies. Lord, help us to understand the healing power of forgiveness. Please hear us because without forgiveness, we are lost. And Father, we need to share the joy and the experience of freedom that there is in the forgiveness that God has to give to every human being Father in heaven may this be our experience we ask in Jesus name Amen <clears throat> so last Sabbath we we looked at our need to forgive we, we actually concluded that uh, it's vital not, not just for salvation but for our health we spoke about how um, high blood pressure can be lowered and I shared with you um, my recent experience with this book that was given to me kindly by a good friend of mine. Forgive to live. If you want to live, you have to understand and learn this basic principle of Christianity. It's written by Dr. Dick Tibbets, and I would encourage you, an Adventist author, he's done seminars on, on forgiveness. And it's amazing that we should actually need seminars on this basic topic. It just shows us how quickly our thinking falls back into faultiness again. And we lock ourselves into a situation where we refuse kind of in a blind, um, insane way sometimes to forgive and to free ourselves from the self-destruction that we engage in. And so we, we looked at that and we saw that the, the, the lack of forgiveness in an individual's lives, life, especially a Christian who should know better, is actually the, the major hindrance. In going forward. It's a hindrance in the present enjoyment of life. It's a hindrance in our own functioning. In our own ability to, to memorize things. And to, to have a clear functioning of the body. You better believe it. If you do not forgive. If you are um, trapped with anger. And don't let go of past hurts. You are enslaved and you are under the influence of the enemy and the spirit of the enemy rather than the Spirit of God according to the Word of God. It's a vital topic and it is a very very unifying one we see that in the book of Ephesians that we look at at that chapter 4 we we see that Paul writes and his thought is is the unity of the body of, of the church and it is the unity through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit and that we should not be grieving the Holy Spirit by our unforgiving nature, so we looked at that um, town of Jura. Do you remember the town of Jura? What happened in the town of Jura? Everybody was holding on to these hot rocks, and those rocks were were hot, but they would hold on they would, they would hold on to those rocks so that they could throw at somebody else. People were throwing rocks at each other. they had grievances against each other and um, that story is an amazing story if you miss that I, I suggest that you get the recording and we looked at what forgiveness is not forgiveness is is not just forgetting um to forget would be kind of asking our, our brain to have amnesia so there were a number of things that forgiveness was not and uh, forgiveness does not imply that the hurt done is okay and uh, forgiveness does not necessarily mean that Everybody, the parties involved will necessarily make up but what forgiveness does do is that it frees you to get on with your life and not be still um, locked in the past and the emotion and the hindrance of the past and this, this was an amazing thing and so we came to the definition that forgiveness is the process of reframing one's anger and hurt from the past with the goal of recovering one's peace in the present and revitalizing one's purpose and hopes for the future. I love that definition. It's found in in this book. And so we we decided to go and embark on this topic so that we could learn how to handle these these hurtful memories of the past. How we can overcome the negative emotions that seem to entrap us and and keep us from going forward and how we can free ourselves from the hurt of the past and to achieve the desire of the The future. We looked at principles of forgiveness. Ten principles. I won't read them off. You can read them in the book. But one of the most powerful reasons that we are called to forgive is the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts. Forgive us, God, our debts as we forgive our debtors. And it didn't just stop there. In, in Matthew chapter 6, we see that a vital component of our Christianity is being highlighted here. And lead us not into temptation. You see, if we do not forgive, we are liable to hold bitterness and anger in our heart that will lead us into temptation. And in fact, we see that this phrase, and lead us not into temptation by Jesus, is not just a, a random and, and you know, plucked out of the air um, idea. It follows through from our forgiveness or not. How many people have been tempted to do and to say things which they later regretted because they have not allowed the power of the forgiveness of God to come into their life and be theirs? Because, and it, it says there, well, well, where is the power to forgive? We naturally hold on to grudges. We cannot let them go. It's not natural. We archive them and catalog them. And we, we remind the person of how many times they have done this or said that to us. And we're told that we should pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's our own evilness our own sinful nature that we need deliverance from amen Jesus sorted out the battle between the evil one that was fought with Jesus and, and the evil one now we have got our own battle which is to overcome the evil in us verse four, 14 for if you forgive men their trespasses your heavenly father will also forgive you but if you forgive not men their trespasses neither will your father forgive your trespasses. And we saw that it is in God's nature to forgive and we looked at Matthew 18 and so often we go to Matthew 18 for all kinds of reasons one in particular but the, probably the most important one is to look at the story about a man that was forgiven an unpardonable debt. It was not possible for him to repay he begs the master and says, Master give me time I will repay it was an impossible debt to pay, but he in his blindness thought that he could. The master had mercy upon him and forgave him. And what does he do? He goes out and he starts throttling the man that just owed him a pittance, probably $10. And we are so much like that man. We have been forgiven our great sins, and we can't forgive each other. I mean, how can the forgiveness of God be propagated and spread if we do not allow the power of God's forgiveness to pass through us faulty thinking and not knowing what to do with our anger you know when we're hurt it's normal to be hurt but you know if we start looking at this and analyzing it uh, from a Christian perspective we will see that there is a lot that we can do To break out of the trap and the chains and the prison that an unforgiving spirit has. You know, we often feel that uh, life should be fair. And it's not fair when people hurt us. When they say something wrong about us. We need to understand that um, life will never be fair until we get to heaven. And so we shouldn't be surprised when we suffer some things that seem unfair to us and you know really according to Dick Tibbetts the only way out of this years of resentment years of holding a grudge years of being actually sick physically sick is to forgive the way God teaches us to forgive that is the only way out that is the only way out and I'm sure that all of us have a personal testimony the author um, describes his own personal testimony of how he held bitterness and anger to his boss, who for no apparent reason, when he was at the height of his uh, input to this Christian company, this Christian ministry, uh, he was fired, he lost his job. He was told, and it, he describes how he went into the um, the, the boss's office and you know how it is when the boss calls you in um, and he described those emotions going through him and, and thinking well uh, this, this could be something bad but then he, thought, no. he shrugged it off and said this, this can't be bad, it, it's, it's, uh, he's just probably going to um, tell me what a good job I've been doing in my work and so he couldn't even when he got into the office the boss couldn't even look him in the eye he just said we've had to um, downsize and so we've decided to cut your position So please go to your uh, office, take everything away, and um, go. Uh, We we can't afford to have you anymore. And you can't imagine, or you probably could actually, those of you that have lost a job, the anger, the resentment, and the bitterness that hit the author. And he said that he had to actually... um, take stock of it. It was such a humiliating thing to have to do. Uh, People are asking him why are you tidying everything away? What's going on? And you know what are you gonna say? I've just been fired? And uh, he stopped on his way home and and just to try and grasp this. this. Is this really happening to me? So unfair things happen and we need to learn how to deal with them. Now The author tells his story how um, he wasn't able to deal with it in too much of a positive way and he began um, getting sick. His blood pressure was up, um, he was short-tempered and he was really not uh, a a very pleasant person to be around until he um, realized the power of forgiveness. It didn't make it right but it was something that he needed to do and he said that he suffered he suffered spiritually his spirituality suffered through not uh, forgiving by by holding on to this this anger and resentment your own spiritual life my own spiritual life is hindered now look at this he said his spirituality his, his he was also affected psychologically he didn't see himself as an angry person but his family did and then Physically, so in three areas spiritually, psychologically, and physically, his undealt the anger that was undealt with and his his lack of ability to forgive was making him sick and restricting his ability to function as a, a normal human being, a joyful human being. You know, Jesus came to give us life and to give us life in abundance, and then he describes how, how he felt when he discovered the freedom from all of these um, hindrances. The freedom was found in in, uh, forgiveness and he calls it a miracle. That's what it is. When, When we can grasp the the motivation, when we can grasp the concept, when we can put it all into perspective and our thinking can be corrected and we look and see how much Jesus has forgiven us. Why should I not extend forgiveness to others and you know Jesus said that in Matthew chapter 5 he said that we should do what to our enemies beat them up give them back as they've given us just good and proper and maybe 10 percent more so that they learn their lesson I heard somebody say yes watch it brother we're gonna have to talk after the sermon well this, this is this is serious we need to understand this, this power of forgiveness, Jesus said we must pray for our enemies, do good to, uh, to them, to those that despitefully use us and abuse us and say all kinds of lies about us. We must do good to them. We must forgive them so that we would be like, the, like our Father that is in heaven, so that we would be the children of our Father in heaven. That means we will take after our Heavenly Father. He is forgiving. We must be forgiving. But you know, hidden in that little um, saying of Jesus, that we need to f- forgive our enemies, the one who benefits the most is the one who does the forgiving. Because you let go of that chain, of that prison, that the other person, um, without even realizing, without even trying, has this power over you. Doesn't it make sense? Um, more sense to let go of that, for you to be in charge of your life, to let the bitterness that somebody else has created in your mind to carry on for years and years. I mean, who's in charge of our lives? It's an amazing thing when you start to break it down. You can be freed from your past. The past hurts. And let's face it, we've all been hurt. But the question is, how do we deal with it? Um, there is a a little questionnaire here that I would just like to share with you uh, so that to see how we fit into this um, aspect of forgiveness so the question number one, this is on page 27, it's the forgiveness journey and so it's a little questionnaire and all you need to do is answer yes or no so the first question is do you have a story about someone who has wronged you someone whom you have yet to forgive so you could be mentally doing this and, and see how you score Are you aware of the price you are paying by not forgiving? That's question number two, so you answer yes or no. Have you made the choice to forgive this individual? Number four, are you able to sufficiently change your story of hurt and suffering so it is less painful? And so the the element of forgiveness looks at the bigger picture and tries to see, tries to put yourself in the other person's shoes and and, uh, help understand that um, life isn't always fair. Anyway, number five, Has your new story of the old event given you a better perspective on life? Number six, when a situation brings you back, listen to this, to feeling helpless, are you able to change that feeling? You know, sometimes just seeing an individual can trigger the whole story again. Forgiveness gives you the power to let go of even the memory of of the hurt and to be able to love those that have hurt you. Number seven, are you making progress toward achieving your goals um, you have set for yourself? In other words, are you progressing in life or are you stuck still in this old situation in the past? Are you more understanding of the other person's circumstances even though you disagree with what he or she did? Number nine, have you reconciled with the person involved? Number ten, has forgiveness brought you peace with God or greater clarity about your higher purpose in life? You may not have been able to answer yes to most of those questions. In fact, you definitely probably wouldn't answer yes to the first one. And that should not concern you at this point. Your journey is one to go in the direction of forgiveness. Amen? I heard a few people say amen. You know, one of the biggest problems in in this topic is uh, we play the blame game. Do you know how that goes? blame game looks something like this what happened is your fault therefore that's number one then number two the misery in my life is your fault now look at that the misery in my life is your fault we're playing the blame game it keeps your pain raw and throbbing blame drains your energy that's interesting why would blaming draw our energy you know I tell you why this is what I figured out the blame game is doing somebody else's job guess whose the accuser of the brethren you see if we're to be like our if we're to be the children of our father that's in heaven we need to have this virtue flowing through our veins which is called forgiveness It actually keeps us healthy and this is the amazing thing about this book actually by the way is that he proved scientifically without any change of lifestyle that just the pure ability to forgive actually reduces high blood pressure no lifestyle changes at all in fact in his research if there was anybody that did any healthy thing any eating healthy or exercise he excluded them from the study it was only done by those that had purely and simply just forgiven and being able to, in that, lower their high blood pressure. So, that blame game. Rather than facing your own problems and fixing them, you expend more energy than you may realize on fantasizing about ways that that other person was wrong and how you're going to get even with them. What a waste of energy that's giving too much power to another individual to take control over your own life why not forgive? you know sometimes we think well I need to let the other person know just how much they've done to me and I'm gonna make them feel it so I'm not gonna be their friend anymore have you ever, do you remember uh, when we were children we'd say well I'm not gonna talk to you forever or so-and-so is gonna be my best friend now and you're not my friend anymore we like to punish people We think we punish the other person that uh, has hurt us but what we end up doing is punishing ourselves more in, uh, in, in uh, in the effect, in the end result. Remember no matter what has happened to you, it happened when? In the past. And the only way you can keep the past alive in your thoughts is to keep on going over this Can you change the past by continually thinking about it? Will you change it? No. Not in the least. Do you really believe that by not forgiving that person, he or she will change? That they will come to their senses, that they will apologize and ask forgiveness? Do you think that somehow your withholding of forgiveness will keep her up at night? Is that other person going to suffer because you didn't forgive them? No. The point is, we suffer. So I can move on from that. and. The point has, has been made. But you know, so we want to come to this point of freedom. We want to come to independence. Come on, it was Independence Day yesterday. Let, let, us, let us get some independence from the, the prison of our past hurts and grievances. After all, God has forgiven us. Let us forgive one another. So we can go from being victim to victor. Victor means being victorious, amen? How many of you want to be victorious today. Let me see your hands. I want to be victorious, but forgiveness has a powerful part to play. So, when we think we punish the other person by not forgiving them, that's like having fool's gold. There's no value. There's no value in that at all. Absolutely none. So, we need to make choices. We need to decide that we are responsible for the way we feel. I'd like to just um, skip a little bit here and go from bitter to better. We need to move beyond the pain. And it's strange because negative things seem to be more easily ingrained in our minds and our psyche than positive things. Did you notice that? We are very prone to overlook the positive, especially in others. And so what we'll tend to do is say, um, somebody might say to you, oh, you're a good friend. And they may say something else positive like, "Um, you've been very helpful to me. And then they might say, you tend to tell a few white lies. And then you might say, you dress very stylishly and um, very tactfully and and, uh, respectfully. And um, you were very helpful to me last night. Now, what is the thing that is going to be ingrained in your memory most of all? That statement where the individual said, you tend to tell a few white lies. You're going to start wondering. What are those words like? What are they talking about? And we will focus more naturally on the negative than the positive. So we need to understand that. And so um, we would be in danger of uh, justifying our anger. So let us look at... um, the bad side of anger is that I have someone else to blame for my misery number one Um, being a victim means number two I have less responsibility for my circumstances that's the the bad side and uh, the other side is that I get attention when I'm angry or I feel powerful because I can either intimidate others or manipulate them by making them feel guilty and um, so what we need to do is find the correct way to express anger. And there are three ways that we tend to express it. There's one passively. Passively means that um, we ignore the event. Uh, we wish that it would be different. This is passive anger. And uh, we withdraw. Um, we become accommodating and we avoid that's not dealing with it and then another way to express anger is to uh, express it aggressively and that means that um, we would uh, reveal such behaviors as attacking, um, being forceful, bullying, criticizing, controlling, trying to harm others that's how we would manifest our aggressive anger but then there's assertive anger and that's what I think is um, uniquely summarized in the United States um, Declaration of Independence it lays it all out it says look this is wrong we don't accept this it's not fair so we're still being responsible but we are uh, we, we may be angry yes but we are directing our anger assertively and it is revealed by such behaviors as speaking to the individual about it being honest stating our expectations setting boundaries and then detaching ourselves from the pain that has been inflicted. That's a better way to deal with anger. And it has to do with forgiveness. And so I'll uh, just conclude here before I have a little story. What do you want to be? Do you want to be bitter or do you want to be better? It's obvious, isn't it? But, you know, bitterness goes like this. You make me angry, therefore your actions cause my feelings and behaviors. Therefore, you must change so I can feel better. Therefore, if you do not change, I will resent you. I will be miserable for the rest of my life. That's the therefore of bitterness. Now, if you want to be better, this is how you need to look at it. Better says, I make myself angry. Therefore, my thoughts and actions determine how I feel and what I do. Therefore, I choose how to live my life. Therefore, I am free to do what I need to do for my well-being. I will go on with my life and live happily ever after. I want to be better. Now, I am not here to tell you that I'm perfect or that uh, you know, I'm great at forgiving everybody. No but I have sensed freedom I have sensed the power the divine power that comes into your mind and says yes this is the right thing to do I may not want to do it naturally I may not incline to it it may not be my first response but when I analyze it and I look at the broader picture and I I say to myself what's the point I mean I've actually seen myself being incapacitated my ability to function is limited by the anger and resentment that I have held. So I'm wondering maybe if that has been my experience, that you could also be freed from that kind of experience too. And you know, we often are hurt most by the people we're closest to and the ones that we love the most. The devil has a way of winding us up so that we can be absolutely obnoxious to one another and then we hold on to that emotion how dare they make me feel like this how dare they make me feel so unworthy and unappreciated don't they know who I am there is great release there is great power in dealing correctly with our anger looking at the larger picture and seeing that, you know, probably this, this individual you know, has been going through a whole lot of horrible situations anyway. And we need to free ourselves from hurting ourselves emotionally, psychologically and physically. And as we do that we'll be actually being Christian. Basic Christianity is built upon forgiveness. How are we forgiven our sins? How are we forgiven our sins? Because God forgives. This is one of the most powerful attributes. It is based upon love. God is love. You see, forgiveness costs. And so we are being asked to forgive at a level that is so infinitely below the level of forgiveness that God has demonstrated to humankind. Oh my friends, listen to that word, give for. Forgiveness requires that something is given for my sin and that's what forgiveness is all about God will give for your sins when we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness we give him our sins what does he give us back in return he gives us life he gives his life for our sins that is forgiveness how dare we how dare we hold grudges how dare we think evil of one another When our Heavenly Father has done so much and gone to such infinite lengths, emptying all of heaven to show us how much He loves us and forgives us a debt that we can never repay. I am reminded of the story, the classic story, that highlights the unwillingness of mankind to forgive and the willingness of God to forgive. That woman that was caught in adultery. Chapter 8 Of the Gospel of John. And you know, many people would love to have that taken out. But it's in God's Word because it has a powerful lesson to share. And so the scribes and the Pharisees, they contrive a situation where they trap this woman in adultery. Now tell me, how do you trap someone in adultery? You need some bait. All right? So they come to Jesus, they throw this woman, quivering and shivering on the floor, in the dust. And they um, kind of sarcastically show respect to Jesus and say, Jesus, the law of Moses says that this woman, because she was found in the very act of committing adultery, she must be stoned. But what do you say, Jesus? They thought that they had Jesus trapped. They thought that if he would say, go ahead and stone her that then he would be bypassing the authority of the Romans. And that if he said, well, forgive her, that, they would, that he would be neglecting and showing that he wasn't a faithful prophet, that he would be neglecting the law of Moses. The thing was that they in their hardness and their blindness of having and harboring an unforgiving spirit, even to the very manifestation of God in the flesh, they were not able to be true. They didn't even read in their own law where it said that the husband was the one that had to bring the wife to be stoned. And that the ones to stone, to be the ones to first cast the stone were the witnesses. And it also said that both had to be stoned. So the husband finds um, his wife committing adultery with another man. The man that, th- that was in the act has to come and be stoned as well. So where was he? Where was that man? And how did they know that this woman was found in the very act? So they weren't even playing by their own rules. And so as um, that woman is there on the floor and Jesus is allowing the the, the, the the kind of scenario to play itself out. And so they come to Jesus and they kind of try and press him, come on, well why what don't why don't you say anything? And Jesus just looks like he isn't paying any attention to them and is writing on the on the dust in the in the earth and he says in fact I want to read it because it's important to read exactly what's written there John chapter 8 so when they continued asking him verse 7 he lifted up himself and said unto them he that is without sin Among you. He that is without sin among you, let him first cast the stone at her. Now, you imagine what's going through the mind of of the woman. Please. Please. She knows she's guilty. By whatever circumstances they had contrived, she's expecting the blows. She is expecting it. And as time goes on, her expectation is exploding in in her mind and her emotions are are, out of fear. But nothing happens. And the account goes on and says, And he again stooped down and wrote more in the ground. When they heard it, verse 9, Being convicted by their own conscience, I love those words, verse 9, being convicted by their own conscience, they went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last, and Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, woman, where are thine accusers? Has no man condemned thee? She said, no man, Lord. Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn thee, go and sin no more. Was she guilty? Yes or no? Yes, she was. Were these men guilty? Yes or no? Yes, they were. Oh, praise God for his amazing grace that he sees the heart. He goes deeper than the external outward appearance. We need to do that as well in our dealings to one another we need to have this divine grace of forgiveness that is powerful and is able to say to that woman neither do I condemn thee go and sin no more that is not condoning the sin it is saying yes sin costs, but it cost the life of the Son of God but in that forgiveness there is power amen there is freedom to go and sin no more and lead us not into temptation that we would not sin is predicated, is based upon our forgiveness of those that hurt us and do wrong to us. We are led into temptation by the devil every time to do silly things because of our inability to forgive and see this most powerful attribute of Christen, of Christianity. Let's try it. Let's try forgiving one another. Asking God to help us drop the stone and stop burning our own hands and harming our own health. You'll be happier. I'll be happier. This church will start filling up again. Did you hear what I said? You know what they'll start saying? You know, at Kalamazoo, those people, they love each other. They never say anything negative about each other. Nobody ever says anything negative about, about somebody else behind another somebody else's back it's a safe place to be you know the word will spread and we will start seeing Jesus take a hold of your life and my life and I want to talk about the joy of forgiveness on the 19th would you pray with me and ask God to help us experience this amazing miracle this amazing gift that is designed to give us more joy How many of you want to experience more joy from God by forgiving? I'm raising all my hands. You know? Where would we be if God kept a record of all the times we sinned? Not just when we sinned by accident, but when we sinned knowingly. When we knowingly sinned and went ahead. God still forgives us, but he says, go and sin no more. That is the power of forgiveness. Are you experiencing the power of forgiveness? You will experience the power of God's forgiveness as you forgive those that have trespassed against you. May God bless you and may God send us his Holy Spirit so that we can do and finish his work, is my prayer in Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse